We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Kansas is undefeated. Kansas State is ranked. And Mizzou takes on Georgia this week. How are the Chiefs going to bounce back from the Colts loss? I have everything you need to know right here on the Best of Everything presented by Charlie Hustle. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. The Chiefs had a heartbreaking loss last week against the Indianapolis Colts, you know, Kind of bruised up, kind of banged up, but Mike DeVito and Jeff Allen sat down on one-on-one this week to talk about the good and the bad from the game, what they can improve on, and specifically what everyone in the media wants to talk about right now, which is the little tiff between Patrick Mahomes and Eric Bieniemy. Well, there's been some issues between, you know, is Eric Bieniemy calling the plays? Is Andy Reid calling the plays? What is the real issue there? You know, what is the offensive coordinator quarterback position you know, that relationship is super important to the offense. How is that going to be impacted moving forward? Is it going to be impacted at all? And what does everyone need to know about Eric Bieniemy? And there's nothing more emotional than when you're coming off the field, right? yeah. especially if something didn't happen the way you want it to happen. You're com- I mean, we saw it with New York. Quinn Williams in New York was him and his D-line coach. Exactly. Getting into it. It, get into it. I mean, and it's not going to be the last time. So people are making no. a really big deal out of it. And I sometimes I feel like, I don't know, the media, they, they want to make EB a scapegoat. And I tweeted, make up your mind. You know, right. the, the deal was he wasn't calling plays at first. And then now when it's not going well, now he's calling plays. Yeah, isn't that how it works? At, at, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. We just got to get the job done. We weren't very efficient running the ball. It was, it was really bad. Um, missed some opportunities up front. Um, then protect as well as we should have. And, Special teams were a mess. The silver lining is, despite us giving up the game when he touched down, our defense played phenomenal, and they did a right. lot of good things, and and we're going to be okay. And mo- before we move on to that point, another thing I wanted to bring up too, and some people have highlighted this, but I think it's important. EB is a former player. Yeah. Right? So he's in a coach's role, but he's a former player. And being a former player, he has that player mindset. So I guarantee you, unlike somebody, a coach who could be a really good coach but has never played in the game, EB feels the same sort of passion and excitement and love 
and uh, is going to experience the same highs and lows as the players are because he's and, been there. He knows he's like during a game. He knows what the ups and downs feels like. And we respect so you, that. We respect that way respect more from a guy that did it rather than a guy who's never done it and has that same energy. Exactly. Like, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Shut up. Exactly. And but and I'm saying that to say that's the motivation behind his energy. That's why he is so fiery is because he's one of us. He's yeah. one of us. And he's he's feeling the game just like we are. And it's I would imagine it's it's different than a normal coach who's never been out on that field. So put that all in perspective. The, the, I, I, I'm, I totally agree with you. It's it's just not something to worry about. Again, I'd be worried if they were just ignoring each other and, you know, walking off the field, not interacting at all. That's more of a problem than you yeah. know, some back and forth because you're heated. Now, back to your point, Jeff, the offensive line. This is another thing that people have brought up all week. Are you worried at all about where the offensive line is at? Well, I'm not just from the sense that historically, just the early in the year, every offensive line struggles a bit. Right. Just because of the lack of training camp practices with pads, you alluded to that, and you, and you talk about that. You, you're not able to do your job um, well, and you, it takes a while to mesh. Um but there are some concerns dealing with the competition that we have. I mean, right. the Bucks have one of the best, if not the best, front seven in the league. So it's going to be another test. Um, the coach were a really good front seven. They had a good D lineman, and we didn't do a really good job. So I think we need to come out ready to go and, and give Patrick some time and the ability to step up. And he's not having to run around, and, and, and receivers need to make plays. It's a collective group effort. I don't want to just put it on the offensive line. Right, offensively, right. everyone could have done a better job. Um, but it's not as bad as it looked. One team that is firing on all cylinders is the Kansas Jayhawks, or at least it seems as though they are undefeated 4-0 and going to be playing Iowa State this week at home. On Booth Review they, this week, they talked about the upcoming Iowa State game and how Kansas isn't ranked. And maybe that is a good thing. Maybe flying under the radar right now is kind of a good thing so that they don't get the national coverage. They aren't let down. And this could be kind of like a game for them to really set the tone for the rest of their season. I kind of wonder, and we'll get to the predictions in the Iowa State game a little bit here, but like, I kind of feel like this is the perfect cocktail to of, of, of where this, you know, where this team should be sitting right now of, Hey, they're not ranked. They didn't get ranked, so you got the disrespect. They're not ranked, so you're not getting the national attention of being ranked. And they're probably a little upset about that. They've gotten through and they've broken through that wall of expectations a little bit where I think this next game might be a little bit easier for them to navigate emotionally and this week might be easier to handle than the Duke game even though this is a more difficult football team that to be preparing for. I think like emotionally, I could see this actually being a decent kind of space for the, for KU to be in, honestly. Yeah, I think you both made points that are kind of where I'm at. Like, Michael, what you brought up about the Buffalo guys who transferred, you know, who came with Lance Leipold and joined this team. Like, uh, locker rooms are not homogenous. There are going to be 10, 15 guys in that locker room who are paying attention to every single thing that's going on with uh, rankings and national media and Oh, we didn't end up on Sports Center. That's annoying and texting everyone. There's going to be 10, 15 guys who just don't care. And then there's a bunch of other guys who are going to be in between and maybe more of both categories. But I tend to think those Buffalo guys have done a really good job of like settling people down, making them kind of helping them get through the sort of week to week grind and understand things. Kent, I think you're right. I think Kansas not being ranked, not getting all that national buzz, mm -hmm. uh, buzz gives them a chip. It gives them something to work with and 
I'm still a little bit concerned. Michael, you mentioned 2019. I feel like I've covered enough KU teams that win one game and then the next week lay an egg and you hear that they like took an opponent lightly. And I know you're in the same boat. Mm -hmm. I'm a little bit concerned about that. I'm not super concerned. Any, any level of concern there with you that, that this might be a week where KU gets a little bit of a reality check. I think it will be to some degree, because I think if you were to ask Iowa state fans, they'd tell you the same thing you just said about Kansas, where Iowa state fans look at Kansas right now and, and say, Hey, they're getting all the national love. Everyone's picking them to cover the three and a half point spread. You know, they're picking them to, you know, go deep in big 12 plays of maybe a big 12 dark horse. And I think from their perspective, it's all right, let's go in and, and ruin that party. And I think equally for Kansas, they do have the chip on their shoulder. And I think that too, this team can be good when they do have that chip on their shoulder. I don't think they've maybe been in that position a ton at this point where they've been kind of the, the team that has been slighted in some way. Because in the past, it's been zero expectations like last year. And so far this year, it's you're playing as house money. So it's definitely a different situation than I think they've been in, in any other week this season. And it makes it really interesting because I think you do look at the leadership of the team, right? Jalen Daniels does not care about this stuff. I can tell you that pretty soundly. You know, you think about him, they're the leaders on defense. They're guys that just don't care. Like Craig Jones at Ohio State, and he understands what it's like to be ranked and in the college football playoff. And yet I don't think he's going to be too caught up about this. So I think they have the leadership to work with it, but I do still agree that this is a different spot than I think they've been in all season. Well, the leadership is something that is really important, especially in the NFL. As we know, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, arguably the two offensive leaders for the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, Patrick Mahomes is one of the younger ones being quarterback. He still has that role to be a leader. And Travis Kelsey Everyone knows and everyone loves him. But the guys on Breakdown sat down this week to talk about what works in the offense, what they're seeing. And Matt Castle gives his insight into what Patrick Mahomes is thinking as a quarterback, where the receivers going, what is the lineman doing. Actually, super interesting. If you are really interested in the breakdown of plays, offensive and defense, check out the full show, The Breakdown, because they go through so many different plays and you can really understand what is going on in the full scheme. Okay, so they're in the one of their favorite formations, right? They got tra- Travis Kelsey up top. They got three wide receivers down here, and so it's a combination route. And when you look at it, when you start pre-snap, you're looking at split safety, and it's third and five. But that it really kind of looks like the backside up here where Kelsey and the halfback are. It's playing more like man, and they sometimes will do this. It's called a mixed coverage. They got zone to the front side. They've got man to the backside. The reason you can tell that is that Will linebacker is lined up directly over the halfback right there. And then that uh, free safety over there up top, he's going to push over. And what we called this was 444 push with a mag backside. And if I'm getting too technical, let me know. But what he's going to do is give presence on any vertical route coming into his zone, right? So when they run this route, you're going to get a spot route by number one down here at the bottom. The second guy, and I think that's Juju Smith, he's going to run the end cut off of his wake. So he's going to come inside, run the end cut off his wake. And really what you're trying to do is you're trying to make that linebacker make a decision. If he gets depth on the end cut, you can throw the spot in front of him. If he over overplays that spot route and commits to that, now you usually have that end cut in behind him. And to me, right now, the corner by number three down low is dead. Absolutely. And, and you'll see as this plays out here, uh, Mahomes is going to have a chance to step up in this pocket. Uh, do you think he should have stepped up and tried to deliver this ball in the end cut instead of uh, trying to extend the play and get outside the pocket here? 
right now, you know, and if I'm being critical and all that stuff, and I don't like to be critical of Patrick Mahomes because he plays at such a high level and we all know, but if if I'm coaching the quarterbacks, I'm saying, hey, we've got an opportunity to step up here. And as, as you watch the play to develop, it will give him an opportunity to make this throw, to see the play develop. Just step up, settle your feet, because you can see that inside linebacker. That's what I'm – look at Juju Smith right here. He's wide open, but that inside linebacker commits – to that underneath spot route and that's your read right there you're trying to read what's happening there and when he commits you can see that huge vacancy in the middle he's wide open right now and that's a conversion on third down that keeps the drive going and everything else and that was just an opportunity where look he's made a hundred you know thousands of plays outside the pocket that we've all seen and been like wow i mean you don't ever second guess it but in this particular case if you're staying within the structure of the offense you tell him hey we want to step up give it a little bit more time to develop and throw that ball right there to Juju Smith. Cause he doesn't have to get out of the pocket at that point. You know, talking about the offense and breaking it down on Casey laboratory this week, the live lab, they talked about Patrick Mahomes and the offensive line, Orlando Brown. He has kind of been a letdown this year. You know, they tagged him this season with a franchise tag and probably the best decision because he's not really living up to his expectations right now. Patrick Mahomes is being rushed in his pocket and things are just not how we would like them to be in the offensive line. So the guys in Casey Laboratory talked about that. They also talked about, again, Eric Bannemi and Andy Reid. Is Andy Reid calling the plays? Is Eric Bannemi calling the plays? What is actually going on in the Chiefs offense? It is insane how close to Mahomes and Gakwe was able to get over and over again by simply doing running, just running. He ran the shape yeah. of a fish hook every single play and hit Mahomes' arm on more than one occasion as he's trying to throw the ball. Was able to sack him because Orlando Brown Jr. is having one of the most pitiful contract year performances I have ever seen. I mean, it's not good. I mean, uh, hey, kudos to Brett Veach and company for tagging him because as it stands right now, if he would have signed the deal that they offered him, like, it, it wouldn't look great. Like, it really wouldn't look great. And he he needs to have a serious turnaround here, obviously. He, he would tell you that himself. He's given up way too much pressure. All the offensive line is, he's given up way too much pressure. It's just one of those scenarios where you don't want to – be in a situation where you've got a young tackle that you want to pay, that you want to be your franchise left tackle, and they're not performing because you look around, draft ain't chock full of them this year, free agent market doesn't have much in the way of it either. So you're potentially looking at a trade if you are looking to try and add a guy to this group. And boy, if you're trading another set of assets after trading assets for this guy that is just a tough pill to swallow for some people bad look <clears throat> real bad, bad. Mm -hmm. real bad look real bad process uh orlando brown should not sniff what he thought he was worth this this offseason should not sniff it if he continues to play like this and he won't the market is it, it's going to it's it's increasingly looking like a bad choice by orlando brown not to take the chiefs deal and a bullet dodged by the Chiefs in them not taking that deal. I I am I'm not thrilled with what we've seen from Orlando Brown Jr. to this point. I am not optimistic either. 
we're hopefully he can he can pull things up to you know pull things together but this has just been it's been brutal it's just been absolutely brutal and like Mahomes like I think Mahomes has some of the best like sense uh you know he feels his backside extremely well he has really good timing his you know he, he he does a good job of getting the ball out before pressure beats him even backside pressure boy it was close it was getting real close last week or this week against the Colts like it, abnormally close I was and, and, and we saw it I mean he, he got his arm hit a couple times like that was too quick of a win out off out the backside and and Orlando Brown did not have an answer for a speed rush. It was just it was bad. Brent Shepard throws something out, and it's it's kind of cheeky. But you know why don't we hurt? Why don't the Chiefs go hurry up and let Patrick call plays? I'll be honest with you. Like here's the thing: I've been clamoring for the Chiefs to play with a little bit of tempo from here, from here, from from now, you know, from time to time to mix things up. Literally since Mahomes' rookie year, I wrote an article like my his his rookie year said, hey. You know what? If you if he earns a little bit of trust, try to play with a little bit of tempo. Try to go with a little bit of no huddle. Try to get you know just just as a, as a curveball. That is not happening. If Andy Reid is your play caller, he does not do it. He does not like it. He doesn't like he he wants control. This control. is and I am not control. I'm not control. I'm not criticizing that. That's just what you get with Andy Reid. He wants control. He wants to. He wants the sticks in his hands. He wants to be the one calling the plays. He wants to be in control of the situation, and so he's not going to relinquish play calling in any capacity. Speaking of control, the Kansas State Wildcats actually control their own destiny. They are ranked now number twenty-five. They made it into the top twenty-five in the AP poll. But is that a good thing for Kansas State? Historically, every time that they have been ranked the following week, they've lost. Now, this is a new year, hopefully. This is a new Kansas State, you know, team. Um, but the guys on 3 Maw sat down to talk about last week's win over Oklahoma, what they think the rest of the season is going to look like, and is this curse of being ranked and losing going to be broken? Our uh, creative names continue. Quick hitters. Quick hitters this week. I'm going to start you out with this. Uh, more likely outcome the rest of the way. Oklahoma wins out or Oklahoma loses multiple games the rest of the season. Which which is more likely for the Sooners? Lose multiple games. In this league, um, winning out is almost impossible, I think. Yeah, I'm going to take losing multiple games as well, John. Um, I need to look at their schedule again. I know they got TCU this weekend, which yeah, I mean, honestly, tough. if they they could lose that, I still think Oklahoma's up. probably the best team. If I still had, if you backed me in the corner and made me pick one, but I still think, yeah. Well, in the Texas game, always kind of feels like a coin flip, especially the way they played each other. So that feels like a coin flip type game on a neutral field. So. Um, I'll take multiple losses and I'll be really interested to see what they do against TCU. And to be honest, if you're a Kansas state fan, at least for me, I want Oklahoma to win. I don't want the narrative to shift this early that, Oh, it's because Oklahoma wasn't a very good team. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I agree. So I, I don't, we don't need that coming into the picture. Uh, plus you already have, you know, one of the big things about last weekend was Texas and Oklahoma losing is they're both 0-1 now in the Big 12, and those are thought to be two of the primary contenders for getting to Arlington. So it's it's meaningful to, for Kansas State to be 1-0 out of the gate. 
Yeah, I mean, look, I have to take multiple losses. That's, that's what I've been on this whole year. That Oklahoma was like a nine and three kind of a team. So I, I will, I will definitely join you guys with that too. Although, yes, I would prefer that it waits until later on in the season. Uh, K State is ranked. Shout out to the AP Top Twenty Five for keeping the cats in, keeping the Jayhawks out. You know, I've always said I'm an AP man. I follow the <laughs> AP poll to a T, and uh, so I'm glad to have that vindicated this week by the cats. AP style there. Yeah, AP style. I write AP style. I mean, anything Associated Press, I am all about it. In fact, DY, if you could get an Associated Press helmet mixed into your helmet, oh, really, sure. yeah, I really appreciate that. Um, but K-State has been ranked in each one of Chris Kleiman's four seasons now. They just have not stayed in the polls for very long. So how many weeks will K-State be ranked this year in total? Not consecutively here, but in total, how many weeks will K-State be ranked this year? I got to think about it. So cold go. I didn't read the outline. I well, didn't know the yeah. Well, while you're thinking about that, DY, let me pitch a question to John. John, has Kansas State lost each of the ensuing weeks after getting yes. ranked? All four, three years, the previous three, or in 2020, I feel like they might have maybe won an additional game because they started four and one. Right? Yeah, 2020 probably not because it was it was Oklahoma. Then you backed it up with Tech, and then you backed it up winning at TCU. And I was when Will Howard was still playing quarterback, so they, yeah. they won a couple of games after that. Yeah, I think 2019 and 2021 they got ranked after three and zero non-con starts, right? Snuck into the top 25, and then went to Oklahoma State both those years and lost those games. Yeah. So. Well, Kansas State is looking ahead to continue the wins. They just defeated Oklahoma, and now they are ranked, hopefully trying to break the curse of losing their next game being ranked. And the Chiefs are also looking forward to Tampa Bay this weekend, Sunday night. It has finally been decided that they will play in Tampa Bay. It is not going to be moved, as previously thought, due to Hurricane Ian, the damage in Tampa Bay was not as strong as further south. So the game will go on in Raymond James Stadium, and it is a big game for both teams. Now, the t- um, on outside the trenches this week, Tucker talks about what the Chiefs really need to do to focus on to defeat Tampa Bay and Tom Brady. It is a big game. You know, it is at home, Sunday night football, and it's Tom Brady and arguably his last season in the NFL. We don't really know what's going to go on there, but it could be the last matchup between Mahomes and Brady. Now, what comes out of that, we don't know, but it is definitely a big game for both teams. The Chiefs bouncing back from a loss and Tampa Bay coming to defend their home territory. Now, what can the Chiefs do to go in there and come home with that win? And I think if the Chiefs go out and focus on what they can do instead of worrying about Tom Brady and, and what's going on over there. Listen, this is probably Tom Brady's last year of football. And I think that um, I don't think I brought this up. That's probably why the, why the Buccaneers might have a little bit of pressure uh, in this game is because this is probably his last year. And, and I think that that could kind of play into this game, this last Patrick versus uh, Tom type of matchup barring a Super Bowl. Um, Cause that, that's the only way that they would play again after this week. But I think uh, for the chiefs, I would find it hard for an Andy Reid coach team not to come out after that game and be very uh, polished and be be very uh, conscious of what they are doing themselves instead of what the other team's doing. Yeah. I, I, wait, what was the question again? Why like, you think the Chiefs will bounce back against okay. the Bucks? I, I wanted to clarify. Time. I wanted to clarify. I had like twelve different thoughts. So I, I think I think anytime you get a loss, it, it definitely makes you reevaluate things. It, it makes film that much more difficult. Like even like even if like 
let's say a few things would have happened correctly and the Chiefs would have won that game, there's still a lot of stuff that needs to be cleaned up within the Chiefs. And I think in an, a W, you kind of gloss over that stuff. And with the loss, you really, really scrutinize those, those little details that you missed. And so I think what they're going to happen is I'm hoping that they get more of an identity at running game. For such a complex route tree and passing system, their running game sucks. And they don't have a pulse in this O-line. They don't know what this O-line can do. They're asking to do things where it's like, yeah, it's not really the best fit. And it's like you need you need downhill run plays in the goal line and short yardage because that damn fullback to the inside is not cut <laughs> anymore. No one's fooled by the Kelsey pitch anymore. Um, you know, none of this stuff. Like, why are you giving the ball to the tight end when, you know, you get some downhill running plays? Uh, I like Pacheco in, in the in the short yardage. I like Clyde Edwards Hilaire in short yardage. Um, I like Clyde Edwards Hilaire from a draw scheme, from a, you know, that that um, Le'Veon Bell sort of scheme, right? That's Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Like, I think Kansas City for a run game should adopt that Pittsburgh size O line, big, big, big bodies. And they should adopt that Pittsburgh scheme with with uh, was it Le'Veon Bell. And it's like, you know, we can have that patience, you know, because these guys can block. They can hold up. And guess what? It simulates pass pro, which is what they're doing 95% of the damn time anyways. So if, if they don't get the run identity established uh, and you're not going to win the ball handing off to running back seven times, you can get no feel for the game. You can't get in a rhythm. You can't see what's out there if you go in seven times. You get seven touch. I know you get more touches, you know, catching the rock and stuff like that, but that ain't going to happen. You know, 15 to 20 touches minimum running the rock and they'll win and they will win. I guarantee you they'll win. If, if you give 20 touches, 15 to 20 touches to CH, you'll win. It'll be, be interesting to see how they play. Cause one of the things that stood out during the Super Bowl, when anybody's watched the Bucks, is the way that their linebackers can run. A lot of the bubble screens and the stuff to the outside just does not work as well when you have linebackers who can get out there and disrupt that stuff. So running right at them, we saw it do a little bit with like Joey Bosa, not for the same reasons necessarily, but you're going up against a good pass rush, going up against a good front, rather than trying to run away from these guys or get cute and misdirection and all that. They're so athletic. Just freaking run right at them. Obviously, everyone knows that last week against the Colts, there's a few plays that Chiefs wish they could have took back. And with Mizzou last week, it came down to one play, but there was other plays that could have gone the other way as well. It was really a one-possession game and one-play game. I don't think one play actually dictates the entire game, but Mizzou suffered a heartbreaking loss in overtime to Auburn. So on Mizzou, that's who Gabe DeArmond kind of talks about the letdown of that play, that game, and how he's kind of disappointed in the coaching right now. I think everyone is a little upset. They're trying to point fingers, figure out what's going on at Mizzou. So on Mizzou, that's who they talk about the issues and how they can address them and move forward. The thing about a one possession game is the play we remember as the last play. And look, it did figure into losing the game. There's no question. There's nothing mean about saying that it did. Um, But I honestly think the worst one is jumping off sides on the field goal. Yeah. Like, Mevis missed. Hey, guys miss sometimes. They, they, you know, but the offsides, it was the second time they did it. The first one didn't hurt him because Auburn's kicker is very poor. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's not good at kicking, really. Um, so tough. <laughs> but then you do it again. And by the way, we're not talking about a Connor would hold 10 yards behind a play that took Missouri out of field goal range in regulation. I mean, it's the same, 
they are, I think, 121st in the country in penalty yards per game. And that you can blame the coach for. And I feel like we have been in every single episode yeah. that we've been because I have said penalties. I even wrote it down on my paper. I'm like, penalties, penalties, penalties. The entire, it's embarrassing. Every single time I'm like, oh, hold, oh, offsides. Anytime we have a good play, it feels. not. It's not every time, but it feels that way because they're always on plays that matter. And that play mattered and there was no discipline. And I've, I've, I use the word discipline on Twitter probably 70 times on, yeah. <laughs> on Saturday, but that was a big thing. And I, I kind of want to go back to the Pete, to what Pete did. And I know, you know, he reached the ball over. He wanted to score. I don't think he was showboating. And I may have felt that in the moment until you kind of rewatched it. But I don't know. I just, you're, you're not supposed to do it. They tell you not, not to do it. And, mm-hmm. and the, the, um, the commentators for the game against Abilene Christian last week talked about ball security with Mizzou and how our running back or not our running backs, our wide receivers were running with the ball, not tug doing all this stuff. They were talking about ball security on the broadcast. Yeah. So at some point as well, I blamed coaching a little bit on that because I'm like, is this happening just regularly where, because we're, it's being, it's routine at this point. You're seeing it a lot. I mean, KJ of- Jefferson did the same thing for Arkansas. Yeah. Um, you know, and actually did it from much further away. And uh, somebody was telling me that Sam Pittman said after the game, look, we tell them not to do it all the time. Like we, we work yeah. on that. We tell them not to do it. And he said, but if they did everything we told them to do, we would win every game. You know <laughs> I mean? Like, and that goes That's back true. to, they're not, they're not robots, right? You right. can, you can drop the play. You can tell them what to do. And sometimes they hold and sometimes they die for the pylon and, and don't, don't make it. Um, Cause they're 20 year old kids. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that was I, the the reaction in the press box, even when that happened, like I've never quite been around a play because, you know, we're supposed to just, Hey, no reaction and all that. Right. But I mean, the Mevis miss and the Pete thing, there were like audible. Oh my God. I mean, one yeah. of them might've been me. I, I was, you just stunned. Well, hopefully Mizzou does not suffer a heartbreaking loss again this week. I think there's a lot of questions surrounding that entire organization right now, and hopefully they get it figured out. But will Kansas remain undefeated after this week? Will K-State remain ranked? Can they climb up in the rankings or will they drop out? And can, can the Kansas City Chiefs go into Tampa Bay Sunday night and defeat the Buccaneers and Tom Brady? We will see you this week. This has been the Best of Everything presented by Charlie Hustle. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.